Luke 10, starting in verse 1, our challenge this morning is for us to be laborers of the harvest. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if the son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Let's pray. Lord, as we think of what this day was some 2,000 years ago. It's unimaginable that you came riding humbly on a donkey through Jerusalem while the people praised you. And yet a week later, less than a week later, they crucify you. And yet you rose from the grave defeating death. And so, Lord, now we are the ones who are preparing the way for you to come, spreading the gospel, taking the good news to those around us. And Lord, I confess, and I'm sure there are many with us, Lord, that we fail often to share, often to be faithful, whether it's fear, whether it's unbelief, whether it's unsure of what to say. Lord, I pray that you would stir in us a desire, a hunger, and a thirst to get the word out. Lord, that you would allow us opportunities, that you would send workers out, that people would hear the good news and respond in repentance, Father. Let us be a church that's faithful. Let us not be a church that's expecting people to come to us, but that we are a church going to them. Lord, because you didn't wait in heaven and call us to you. You came to us. You didn't stay in glory. You humbled yourself. And so God, help us to humble ourselves in this area of evangelism, that we would reach out to those who need you. So Lord, use my words this morning, use your words through me, and challenge us this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So as we look at Luke, we see here that he's previously he had sent out the 12 and the 72. It's their turn now. We don't know who these people are. We don't know their names. But God is, Jesus is sending them out. And, and I want to look at five strategies that God gives us in sharing the good news. 
the first thing is this. Look at verse number one. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him two by two in every town and place where he himself was going to go. And so what an exciting time for them. Like they had just, they've watched Jesus minister to people. They've watched him heal people of diseases, uh, casting out demons, uh, feeding 5,000 with just five loaves and two fish. They have seen many, many amazing things. And now it's their turn to go out before Jesus reaches these people. And he sends them out. And how does he send them out? Notice he sends them out to by two. Here's the first strategy when it comes to evangelism. We can't do it alone. So partner up. <laughs> we cannot do this alone. The work is too great. There's too much to do. We can't possibly handle this on our own. Listen to what Ecclesiastes 4, 10 and 11 says. Two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Isn't that so true? Like we, The work before us to go and share the good news and all that will come our way when we do that. The work is too hard for us. And we need others around us to encourage us, to remind us. Sometimes we forget, right? How often do we just get, kind of get caught up in our own mess? We get caught up in our own stuff and we forget the mission. We forget the call to look outwardly, to look for those who need Jesus. And when we go together, we have this great opportunity so that when we fall, we have a brother or a sister to carry us and to lift us up in those moments. To go through life alone is to set yourself up for failure. And we've talked about this over and over again. We were created to be part of a community. And so I want to talk about the benefits, five benefits that we have in partnering in sharing the gospel. The first thing is this. We can learn from those smarter than us. <laughs> if you're not the sharpest tool in the place where they keep the sharp things, <laughs> like you can find somebody who does it better than you. Somebody who maybe is more faithful. Maybe you're like, you're new to the faith and you're like, I don't have no idea where to start. But you have observed and, or you're just simply asking questions. Here's the thing, like, it doesn't show weakness when we don't know what to do when we ask questions. It actually shows strength that we're willing to humble ourselves to seek out help. To seek those who, who know, who have had, had just a life of experience of sharing the good news. Like, cling to somebody else who has been there before you, who... Who knows how to, how to go about this. Who just has a better taste of sharing the good news. Maybe you've been raised in the church forever. And you have found yourself just kind of distanced from the world. And you've forgotten what it means to talk with the world. But yet you see people who are clinging to the, the vilest of sinners. And yet they have the most compassion. And they're sharing. Find somebody who, who is smarter than you. That's not being cowardly. That's actually being quite wise. And maybe, maybe your struggle in sharing the gospel is that you just don't know what to share. And so my encouragement for you, there's plenty of resources out there. Find somebody who can help you. I love 
through the Romans road. Let me just take you down a little path here. Uh, these are scriptures that I leave when I'm talking to somebody, when God opens up a door. Now, this doesn't come with like, hi, my name is Ben. Let me take you to the gospel. <laughs> like, it doesn't always work that way. Sometimes God tees it up. And sometimes it's about relationship, and you've built a relationship. But I always start with Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What's our biggest problem? And our biggest problem is our sin. And it separates us from God, and we fall short of him. And there's nothing we can do to earn favor with him. But praise be to God. Romans 6.23 says this. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift... Of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We find salvation in Jesus. Yes, our sin separates us. Yes, we will die physically because of our sin. But that doesn't mean that's the end. We can find hope in Jesus. Romans. Uh, let me take you to. Uh, sorry, I am so off track here. You know how it goes sometimes. You just completely. Forget where you get Ephesians. Turn it to Ephesians with me. Uh, keep your finger here and then go to the book of Ephesians. Yes, we find salvation in Jesus. So what does this, does this look like? Uh, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. Look, this gift from Jesus, it's a free gift. He gives us his grace. It's not by anything we can do to earn his favor. Because if it was something in and of ourselves, if it's something that we could do, then the result of salvation would be because of us. And we would then have something to boast in. But there's nothing to boast in. That's why a proud Christian should be an oxymoron, shouldn't it? Like, what do we have to be proud of? Like you were dead. You had, you had no hope and Jesus had to come. Jesus took on your sin. He paid the price for your sin that you may be made right with him. Salvation is a free gift from Jesus. And so what does that look like then? How do we get to that point? Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So it begins with confession. We confess. We acknowledge the fact that we're a screw up. We get it all wrong. We confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. And we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. If that happens, if that's a genuine thing that's happened in your heart... What the scripture says is that you have been saved. That's a simple way to share the gospel. The point is, if you don't know what to share, find somebody who does. It's okay. It's okay. Nobody who, anyone who humbles themselves and seeks, how do I share the gospel, is going to look at you, what in the world? How do you not know that? No one in their right mind in a growing relationship with Jesus is going to respond that way. They're going to want, they're going to be anxious to share that with you. And then my encouragement is practice it. Practice it with one another so we can learn from those smarter than us. That's why we partner. Number two, we can train others up. Maybe you're on the other side of that. Maybe God has just gifted you and you're just wired to reach out to people. And for whatever reason, open doors keep coming your way to be able to share the gospel. You can be the one who is doing the training for others. And you can, obviously it's like, you're not going to like stand up front and say, oh, I got this. I can help you. 
but like if, if, if somebody, if you just notice somebody struggling, or maybe you're going to go share the gospel with somebody and that friend knows this person, bring somebody with you. Take somebody, literally take somebody with you to share the gospel. Here's the third thing. We can pick each other up when we fall, just as we read in Ecclesiastes. We're going to have moments of discouragement. We're going to have moments of family members who we thought were saved and they grow up and leave the house and they leave the faith. And, and those are devastating times where we just need other brothers and sisters to come alongside us when we fall. And even to hold us accountable, right? Maybe we find ourselves getting angry and we just need help to make sure that we're not blowing our lid at work because of something that's happening, but we're keeping our witness because we realize that we do everything to the glory of God. We can pick each other up when we fall. Number four, we can complement each other. We can complement each other. We have different strengths, don't we? We're wired differently. You know, some people are task-oriented, and so they just know how to get things done. Some people are people-oriented, and they just really know how to care for others. And so I find myself more in there, and sometimes I'm not getting things done like I need to. Or the task person can kind of just run over people, you know what I mean? Like they're getting stuff done, but they're killing people in the process. Like it's good to have camaraderie to somebody help complement one another. Maybe, maybe you just don't know, maybe, you have, maybe you're just not the smartest person. And you know somebody, you know how to share the gospel, but like they need to come at it from a different angle, maybe more apologetics. And you just know somebody who would be able to come and share this person. It's okay to do that. It's okay to invite people. We can complement one another. That's why we partner together. And then lastly, we can do more together. We can do more together. You've heard the analogy of horses and uh, horse can carry a certain amount, but when you put two together, they can do three times as much. And if the, you raise them up together and they've been raised and trained together, they can actually do up to four times as much. And the, the same is true for us. We just do more together. It keeps our battery charged. It, gives a, it feeds us, gives us life when we're discouraged. We are called to do this together. Remember, we are called as believers, as a church, to glorify God by making disciples. And the work of proclaiming the gospel is not primarily the pastor. Far, far more people are going to come to Christ through your commitment to others in your life. They're not going to knock on our door to more than most people aren't going to come knocking on our door to find Jesus. They're going to find Jesus because they see a difference in you and you are sharing the good news. Blessed are those who bring the good news. So we're all part of this, right? Even if you don't have the gift of evangelism, you're called to do the work of an evangelist. You're called to share the good news. And so who can you be partnering with? Small groups, I encourage this to be a regular rhythm in your group where you are challenging one another, where you're praying for people by name, that God provides an open door. Partner with other people. Find people you can pray with. Do you live in the same neighborhood as others? Maybe you can do prayer walks together and be praying for opportunities, praying for open doors. There are many benefits to partnering with others. We can't do it alone, so partner up. We find the second strategy in verse 2. And he said to them, 
The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Here's strategy number two. The work is the Lord's. So pray. The work is the Lord's. So pray. God is over the harvest, right? It's his work, and it's plentiful. It's abundant. Listen, the problem isn't people coming to repentance and faith. The problem is there's not enough laborers. Look, the harvest is plentiful. It's time to collect, but there's nobody to do the collection. So pray, pray to God that he would send workers. There's a lack of resources in delivering the message of Jesus. And so let us begin with praying that God would send people out. He calls the workers and he ultimately collects the harvest, but we get to be a participating, a participator in this process. And it is an amazing thing when you get to do it. When God uses you. And so pray. Pray for opportunities for yourself. Pray for opportunities of those in your small group. Pray for those in, in the church, that we would be a church that goes out into the world and is faithful. But listen, we must remember that there is only one person who is worthy of praise in this process. Notice what 1 Corinthians 3, 6, and 7 says. I planted, Apollos watered, this is Paul speaking, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Who gives the growth? God. He is the one who is worthy of praise in this. He uses us to deliver the message of the gospel. We get to be a part of that process. So right now, uh, March Madness, any March Madness fans out there? March Madness is going on. Uh, I'm not really into it that year because I'm a Notre Dame fan and Notre Dame's terrible and the women or the men aren't in it. But if you are a Notre Dame women's fan, you will never forget the 2018 Notre Dame women's tournament. It was one for the ages. Uh, Notre Dame, uh, I believe they were a one seed heading in and this is what happened. Their star player, Arike Agumbawale, you may have heard of her, amazing player. The last shot and not only the final four, but the championship game was made by Arike that sent Notre Dame to a championship. The final shot twice. I mean, that's, that's like once in a lifetime, right, to make one of those shots. And Arike made two of those. And ultimately, the last one was to win the championship. But here's the thing about, here's the thing about Notre Dame team. Were there other players on the team? Yeah. There, somebody had to pass the ball in from out of bounds. Somebody took the ball and dribbled up the court. Somebody passed it to Arike. But guess what? Nobody remembers them. I don't remember anybody else on Notre Dame's uh, team. Because here's what happened. Ultimately, the responsibility came on Arike to make the shot. If she doesn't make the shot, we don't really remember the tournament. But because she made the shot, we remember her. And she's the one that deserves more praise because she actually made the shot. And so really, what we are doing when we praise, we're putting the ball in God's court. We're saying, God, would you be faithful? Would you send laborers? This is not about me. This is about you. You are the winner here. You are the champion. 
And I just want to be faithful to you. And I don't care if I'm forgotten. I don't care if three years from now you don't remember my name, but we remember your name. I don't care 100 years if they don't remember Ben Hurt at all and this church is still going. All I care about is that Jesus Christ is being proclaimed. And that must be our heart when it comes to evangelism too and why we must pray because it's not about us pulling up our bootstraps and being the hero of the day because we can't save anyone. That should, that should actually give us much peace. Because the responsibility for people to get saved is not on us. It's on Jesus. But we are called to be faithful. And we're called to pray that God would send out workers. And so, are you praying when it comes to your sphere of influence, are you praying for God to open doors for you to share the good news with those who need Jesus, those that you work with, for your family members? Are you praying for more laborers to go out because you see a broken world and instead of getting angry at all that's going on, your heart breaks and you're asking the Lord and pleading with him, the ball's in your court, Lord. Help me to be faithful what you call me to do and help others hear the call of you and let's go and share the good news. Because the reality is the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few, it's not the other way around. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. That's why we're praying tonight, we're going to have an opportunity to go before the Lord and plead with him to save those who are lost and to plead with him. To call more workers to be faithful, to get us out of our fear, to take away any distractions that are keeping us. So let us be faithful to pray. Even if we're scared to death to share the gospel, we can start with praying. We can start with praying. Principle number three. Strategy number three. The world is dangerous, so be prepared. The world is dangerous, so be prepared. Look at verse three. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs. In the midst of wolves. Wait, wait, what, what, Jesus? You meant wolves in the midst of sheep, right? Because we're going to tear them apart, right? That's what you meant, right? No, no, that's not, that's not what I meant. Certainly, you've got this wrong, Jesus. What do you mean? Don't you know what wolves do to, to lambs? They tear them apart. They're enemies. The lamb is the prey. Are you telling us we're the prey? And you're throwing us out to the predators? Who in their right mind, what shepherd in his right mind would send sheep amongst wolves? That makes no sense at all. Unless you understand the call. This is not our home. The world does not play by God's rules. God is in control, amen? work is hard. How would you feel if you're part of the 72 and this is what your shepherd is calling you to? Wait, Jesus, you're, you're going to overthrow the government though, right? You're going to overthrow the, the Romans to give us freedom, right? It's not time for that. I'm going to take care of a greater problem. And then you are going to be my messengers of this 
but it's not going to be easy. But wait, Jesus, what about all that cool stuff you did? I want to turn water to wine. Can I heal people? Can I multiply small amounts of food to feed thousands? That's what I'm signing up for. I want the good life, prosperity, health, and wealth. That's not, that's not the road I'm walking. That's not the road I am calling you to walk. Listen to what 1 Peter 4, 12 through 16 says. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. We must understand, believers, that we're not stepping into a world of prosperity, an easy life. And sometimes I see so many people who are trying to build this kingdom here. And what Jesus is saying is lay it down. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Far greater than here. And when we live for this world, it keeps us from sharing the good news of Jesus. It keeps us focused on ourselves. We, we have the blinders on and all we can see is our own life. And Jesus is actually promising us, no, it's not going to be easy. That's why I'm calling you to lay down your life for me. But there's greater joy in serving him, isn't there? But we must understand, we must count the cost. That's why so many people leave the faith. They come to salvation, but what they're expecting is ease and comfort. And what they find is that all of a sudden you've invited this new enemy, right? Like as Christians, we invite this new enemy. Satan comes and he's trying to seek and destroy and devour those whom he can. And when it comes to sharing the good news, we're going to encounter some very hard things. When it comes to wanting the government to do what we want to do, they're going to do things that are they're going to hurt us. Why? Because they're not of this, we're not of this world. And so they don't understand. They hated Jesus. If they hate Jesus, they'll hate us. But we're not about getting people to like us, right? We're just called to be faithful and be broken for those because God has rescued us. God has brought us out of the kingdom of this world and brought us to the kingdom of light. Count the cost. We must prepare ourselves for the battle. I'm reminded uh, in October, Nikki and I flew to Arizona for a pastors and wives retreat. And I looked up the temperatures and I'm like, it's 80 degrees all week. And I'm like, yes. <sighs> Late October, 80 degrees sounds real nice. And so we get our shorts all packed and our short sleeve shirts. And lo and behold, we get there. And without me looking closer to when we were supposed to go, a cold front moves in. And it's like in the 60s all week long. I mean, who goes to Arizona in October for 60 degrees? Come on. And we were just unprepared. And it threw us off. And it kind of somewhat wrecked our week because we just weren't prepared. And if we're not prepared for the battle that awaits us, when we start being faithful to the Lord, when we start proclaiming the good news, then we will lose heart and we will, we will quit and we will fumble the ball. But God's calling us to count the cost. When you go and share, no, there will be an enemy. There will be people who will hate you. You will lose friends over me. 
And they're all tests, right? They're all trials for us to, are we willing to count the cost to follow after him? So beware when you sign up to follow Jesus with everything you have because you're going to get everything thrown at you. The world is dangerous, so be prepared. However, there's good news coming. Here's the next strategy. God goes before you, so trust him. God goes before us in this battle. God goes before us in sharing the gospel, so trust him. Look at verse 4. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. The good news, though, for us in the hard fight is that we can trust him. If God is the Lord of the harvest, and he is, if God sends out the laborers, and he does, then God can be trusted to provide what is needed along the way. And so if you're afraid of what to say, but you are seeking the Lord, God, provide an opportunity. I am scared to death of what I might say. We can trust God that when the opportunity comes, he will give us the words to say. He will move through us. There are times where things have come out of my mouth and trying to encourage one another where I'm like, where did that come from? <laughs> that, I didn't, that's not me. That was way too wise for me. But that's the Holy Spirit moving through you. Isn't that amazing thing? We have the spirit. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And so this call to go forth to share the good news. The biggest problem that we have is not trusting God. And what we can do, what we're called to do here is trust him. Jesus says, trust me. You're going to get provided for what you need along the way. Just be faithful. Philippians 4.19 says this, and, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Listen, you aren't alone in sharing the good news. And success for us is not people responding in faith. Like that's not success. We can't measure success. like Just like you can't measure success on how many people show up. It's not about that. Success in evangelism is the faithful proclamation of his word. Take the pressure off of you. It's not on you. We share the good news. The power is not in how you say it. The power lies in the word of God, right? For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of salvation for everyone who believes. We share God moves, right? We plant seeds. We water the seeds. But who brings the growth? He goes before us. He prepares the way. Trust him. So are you trusting the Lord this morning? Are you trusting that if you pray for opportunities, he will provide opportunities? And not only that, he will give you the words to say. 
Remember, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells within you. Let that sink in. The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. Trust him. Trust him. Here's the last thing. Look at verse 9. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Here's the last strategy. Not everyone will believe. So press on. Sadly, not everyone that we share the gospel with will respond in faith. I've had many people in my life that I've shared, and to my knowledge, my understanding, they didn't respond. But that's, it's again, what we've been saying a lot this morning, it's not my job. My job is to plead for the Lord to send laborers. Maybe they need to hear it from somebody else or or whatnot, but Lord, help me to be faithful just to, to proclaim with not, uh, without judging somebody, right? We can judge people and think, well, they will never respond in faith. They're never going to repent. Did you see the way they responded yesterday? Do you, do you realize that sometimes those people who are the angriest, who have the most outlandish attitudes, are often the ones who are most broken inside? That if you just lean in to them and get to know their story, that that's going to do a, a world of difference to where it may open a door for you to share the gospel. I, I, just for instance, this, this guy was a believer, but uh, I was doing some counseling with him uh, several years ago. And he was just a very angry man. And it, it was intimidating. He yelled at me. And I'm like telling my supervisor, I'm like, I don't want to talk to this guy anymore. And he's like, oh, yes, you are. <laughs> and so I kept meeting with this guy. Well, lo long story short, what we find out, found out is that he was in his 60s. But when his son was five years old, he passed away. And if I would have just blown this guy off because of his anger towards me, I, I would have never gotten to the point where I hear that he lost a five-year-old son. I mean, how do you recover from that? Only by God's grace. And so as I leaned into him and, and loved him and had compassion on him, what I found out is that, man, he couldn't control his son dying, but by golly, he was going to control everything he could outside of him. And as soon as that kind of came out, you could just see him melt. And the 60-year-old man is still feeling the death of his son like it was yesterday. And this is what God calls us to do. To be slow, to judge on whether or not somebody's going to respond in faith. That's not our job. Our job is just to be faithful. Now, there, there may come to a point where we're starting to share the gospel, and they're clearly a green apple. You know what that means? A red apple being ripe, a green apple being they're not ready. That I'm not saying you keep shoving it down their throat, but what I am saying is that just be faithful with the message. And we need to understand this because this should give us hope. It should give us hope and understanding that in order for someone to be saved, it's, it's a work of God. You weren't saved because you manned up. You were saved because God humbled you. Because God was the one who brought fruit out of the word that was shared with you. So be a laborer 
of the harvest. We can't do it alone. Partner up. Find some people to walk the road with you. The work is the Lord's, so pray. The problem is not people coming to salvation. The problem is laborers going and being faithful. The world is dangerous, so be prepared. Don't expect the world to welcome you with open arms. It didn't welcome him. It's not going to welcome us. This is not our home. God, though, goes before you, amen, so we can trust him. We can trust him. And the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And not everyone will believe. But press on. Press on. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the way that you've rescued us. We were lost in our transgressions and in our sin. Enemies of God, dead to you. But you made us alive, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to your mercy you saved us. Not by works so that we would have no room to boast. And so, Lord, humble us. I pray that you would challenge us, Lord, that you would call us, that you would move in us to be laborers of the harvest, that we would not leave it to the quote-unquote experts, that we would not leave it to those who have the Bible scholars, but that we would realize there are people here, Lord, We have contact with some people, and we may be the only Jesus they will ever see. God, keep us faithful to you. Call us, Lord. Provide opportunities. Let us be faithful. Let's sing this in response.